Welcome to the Bethel Church Podcast, and thanks for joining us. We hope this encourages you, builds your faith, and gives you perspective on how God is actively moving in your life. Enjoy the message. I want to say something real quick. Um, I just want to say that as we look at trends across the United States in churches, um, the numbers of people coming back post-COVID are really, really low. Um, across the church, it, it's low, but I, wanna, I just want to say that I, our leadership team is just so pleased and so, I've been hesitating to say this word a lot lately, so proud. There's a godly version of that, not pride, but y'all know what I'm talking about. And so excited that you guys are exercising your church muscles and coming together in fellowship. It does matter. And I want to say that if you're just now getting back in the swing of things, you know, one of the things the enemy is going to do, he's going to try to make you think that everybody here is mad at you, that you haven't been around. That's a lie from the enemy. We're happy you're here. Aren't we happy you're here? Yeah. So keep it up. Keep working that, that muscle. It'll get stronger. We got out of the habit of being in church a lot because of COVID, but hey, we're back, right? We're back full force. So when we went on this little vacation, we did this little river rat tubing experience. Anybody ever done that before? Let me see. Isn't it a lot of fun? Well, there's one part when you go on the little river rat tubing experience, you you get to this big like rock that overhangs the water and you can park your tube and you can get out and you climb the rock and jump off. Anybody ever done that before? Let me see. Wave. I just want to know who I'm talking to. First of all, it's really cool. So when I saw it, my first thought was like, yeah, I really want to do this. And I've always, we've, I've always been the, I think out of me and Caitlin, the, I'm probably the, the pusher. She said, yeah, real fast. <laughs> Thanks, Caitlin. And I was like, I was, I was, re- I was pushing the kids, hey, like, you, you, you want to do this. You don't want to like miss this opportunity. And in my mind, like I was just thinking my older kids would take me, you know, you know serious. But um, my little girl who at the time was six, she said, uh, I looked back, she said, what are you going? I said, I'm going over here, I'm going to swim over here. She said, well, I'm going with you. And I was like, you want to jump off that? And she said, yeah, I want to jump off of it. So we get up there, and when you get up there, it's always taller than you remember. Y'all know what I'm talking about? We got up there, and we were, Fielder jumps off, Justice jumps off, and then Arden jumps off, my little daughter, and she jumps in. And um, it, I don't think it was the experience she was thinking it was going to be because she had a life vest on. But, you know, when you jump up from that high, you go underwater for a while. Well, she came up like crying. As soon as she came up, though, Cruz, her, little, her, her, her big brother, the, the defender, the moral compass in our house, he, 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 was a little, he had been balking. But when he saw her come out of that water and he saw her crying, he just took off. And he jumped off into the water and he swam over to her and he grabbed her. You talking about my, if I had had a shirt on, my buttons would have been busting. It was a sweet thing to see. And he, he helped her get off the side. Well, then I didn't have my life vest on. And um, somebody had told me, like, this is a real deep hole, real deep hole. And I was like, yeah, 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 yeah it's deep. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah, I can swim. Don't worry about it. And so I jump in without my life vest on and I'm doing this little toothpick thing. Because I'm, I'm thinking I'm just going to go down and pop right back up and help get Arden to decide. 
And uh, I went down, 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 and I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm waiting for my feet to touch the ground, and then I'm going to bend my knees, and I'm going to shoot back up, and I never found the bottom. (laughs) It was deeper than I thought, way deeper than I thought. It was deep enough for kids to jump off into with life vest and swim around, but it was also deep enough for, for, well, I'm I'm not really a grown man. I'm kind of like half of a grown man. Uh, to jump into and to still get lost. And that's exactly what the gospel is. No matter what stage of life you are in, you could jump every single time and you could go deeper and deeper and deeper. And when you heard that we were going to be preaching on the gospel, every message in this pulpit is a message from the gospel. But the reason we're going through this is we want to show you and teach you how to take the principles of the gospel and make application to your everyday life. Like, how does the gospel change the way I communicate? How does the gospel, how does the gospel change the way I work at my job? How does it change the way I speak to my children or my spouse? How does it change the way I handle family conflict? By the way, if you're here this morning and you think your family has an unusual amount of conflict and you feel really bad about it, I want everybody who has some family conflict to raise your hand right now. Look around the room and be encouraged, my brothers and my sisters. We all have family conflict, okay? Now look, if when you heard that this was a message about the gospel and it seemed interesting, I would tell you this, that the gospel is more than interesting. It's life-changing. It's life-changing. If you heard, you saw, oh, there's a message about the gospel. It's about to pop up. And you you said, you know what? It's brand new to me. I've never even heard this. This is what I would say to you this morning. Come to Jesus and be saved. The Bible teaches us this, that every single one of us, we were born into sin and shapen into iniquity. You can write this little note down. This is what we call original sin. We get in a big hoopla about acts of sin and sometimes forget that what drives that is original sin. The fact that we were born into a dirty world and shaped in the wrong way. We don't need Jesus so much for all the acts of sin, even though we do. We need him for our original sin, that we were just born into a place. That's why it's important that if your kids grow up in church, you constantly tell them what they're being saved from. Because some of them don't have a, I passed out on New Year's Eve when I was 22 years old story, and I had a red pill and a blue pill, and I picked the blue pill. And then I woke up a week later incarcerated. Some of them don't have a story like that. Y'all hearing what I'm saying? Now, we have a lot of stories like this in the church, praise God. But sometimes when children grow up in church, they've got to be reminded that God didn't take them from good to better. He took them from a vile sinner to a saint. And it was because that they were born into sin and shape and iniquity. And the Bible says this, that without if without what Jesus did on the cross, the Bible says the wages of sin, we're going to have to pay ourselves. And the wages of sin is, the wages of sin is in all kinds of ways, earthly, Mm -hmm. spiritually, Mm -hmm. being eternally separated from God. We don't want to go into judgment having to pay the price for our sins. 
So the Bible tells us this, that because of what Jesus did for us on the cross, we can have eternal life. And we don't walk toward it. We don't, we don't earn our way towards it. We don't work towards it. We simply just believe in what Jesus did. We confess with our mouth. We believe in our heart that Jesus is the Son of God, that God raised him from the dead. And the Bible says, you will be saved. You're saying, do I have to come to church? No. Do I have to serve? No. Do I have to give? No. That has absolutely nothing to do with your salvation. It's not by works. However, I will tell you this. When you look upon the cross and you see the completed work of Jesus on Calvary, something inside of you wants to respond, wants to link up and join up with his kingdom, right? But don't get the works before the salvation. That's not the way it works. Not the way it works. Ironic. Romans chapter 1, verses 16 through 17, Paul is speaking to the church in Rome, and the first words out of his mouth are this, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For many of us, this, you, we, yeah, I, yeah, okay, yeah, I get it. I'm not ashamed. Yeah, I'm not going to be ashamed. This was a big deal to the church he was writing in. To, he was writing a letter to a church in Rome, in the, the biggest, most magnificent, most gigantic military power the world has ever seen. And, and he's preaching a, a message to these people. And it's basically saying this, that all of your works, they don't amount to anything. The pinnacle of his message is this Jewish, humble, servant, leader, savior. It's not a great military leader. This message is going out to everybody, even the lowest of classes. And so Paul exclaims that I'm not ashamed. And he had to say this to these people because they were living and they were surrounded by people who were obsessed with their power. And here he is, he's given a message that says, you don't, you don't have to do anything to be saved. And he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone. The gospel is good news. Look at your neighbor and say good news. But the gospel isn't just good news. It's power. It's power. It's the power of God to salvation. So what does that mean? The gospel is the preached, proclaimed, heralded, plan of salvation for man and what God does in his life or her life after that. But it has to be preached. It has to be taught. It has to be exclaimed. This junk where it says, you know what? I'm going to witness to people who are lost and I'll talk if I need to. That's not, that's not the Bible. The good news of Jesus doesn't just need to be lived. It needs to be preached. It needs to be taught. It needs to be spoken about. We need to witness and our life should just back up what we say we believe. But the gospel is a preached, taught, heralded message. It's the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. God will not withhold this power to anyone who believes. Listen to me very carefully. The cross of Christ was for anyone who believes. It was not limited. 
It was not for a particular group of people who had been predestined before the foundation of the earth. The the cross of Christ is for anyone who believes. It's for anyone, for God so loved the world. The what? Not his elect, the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that? Say it again. Whoever, not a certain group of people, not people who kind of got their stuff together already, not people who grew up in church. It's for whoever. Y'all with me? It's whoever. It's the power of God unto salvation for anyone and everybody who believes for the Jew first, also for the Greek. That's a whole nother message, not going there. For in it, in the gospel, in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. The righteousness of God is revealed by what? By faith. Where does faith come from? Where does faith come from? It comes by hearing the word, by hearing the word. Now, I need to stop real quick before I go any further. As I was praying for our congregation over the next five weeks about this sermon series, I realized that there might be some listening, maybe you're watching online, and you heard that we're, we're, we're really good, we're just breaking down the components of the gospel. And maybe your first thought was, well, that's, that's cute. I'm really glad, like, we've got some baby Christians that really need to hear this. I will say this, you, if that's your thought, Towards this, you are the one who needs this the most. You are the one who needs this the most. Because we we could gaze at the empty cross and the empty tomb, and we get every single thing that we need just by doing that one thing. If we if we if we think right. If we hear the word of God right, then we can have biblical faith. And with biblical faith, we can do anything that the scriptures tell us that we can do. So he says it's the righteousness of God. It's revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. The righteousness of God breaks down to this this little phrase, I justify. Justification, when we are saved... What scripture says happens is this, is that God makes application of what Christ did on the cross for our sins. It becomes the penalty. He pays the penalty of our sins. When Jesus died, he bore the weight of the world and he brought on God's judgment. And when we're in Christ, thank goodness, our righteousness is not based off of what we do. It's based off of what he did. When you talk to older, mature believers, mature believers, have you ever noticed that they don't seem like they're in a tizzy and they use the words rest, abide, just calm down, rest, abide in what the Lord has already done for you rather than trying to strive. Many of us were saved by grace, but we're trying to be sanctified by the law. We know we weren't saved by our works, but we're still trying to please the Lord by following a checklist. And the truth is, is that there's nothing you can do that's going to make God love you more. There's nothing you can do that's going to make God love you less. Your joy, eternal joy, 
You only need two things, his approval and his presence. When we learn to rest in the fact that when we are saved, we are the righteousness of God, we can really live a faith-filled life. Not fear, faith. So when we're justified, when our sins are forgiven, two things happen. And I know everyone here is very familiar with one of them. It's the second one that I'm, I want to talk about the most this morning. The first thing is this, is that our status with God changes. Can I get a volunteer? I need a volunteer. Wow, you guys are usually real volunteery. Let, let me get, let me get a, I want to get a, I'm going to get a young dude. Come here. Let's go, Micah. Let's go. Come on, Micah, you raising your hand? No, he didn't raise his hand. I just volunteered Micah. Micah, you got a birthday coming up soon, don't you? How old are you going to be? I like old enough. <laughs> Bro. God, God had me preaching and talking about grace a lot for a reason. <laughs> he just gave me an opportunity to show my good grace. Like, what I want to do, what you wanna huh? Do? What you wanna do? I want to. <laughs> Boom, right now. <laughs> I'm going to stun you right now. All right, but I love you. I love you. And I did that in love. All right. What are we doing? What are we doing? See, the Bible says, and, and, and I'm sorry. Well, I know. I need one more person. One more person real fast. Come here, Filter, real quick. Come on, come on. Which one of y'all going to be God? Me. You? Okay, so now you're not going to be God. <laughs> you got to learn how to play the system. The first shall be last. So if you wanted to be first, you should have put yourself last. All right, here, turn and face this. The Bible says this, that our sin comes between us and God. So when we are saved, when we make application, now stay with me, even if you know this, because I promise you, if you, if you would just jump in with me and maybe take off your life jacket this time, you'll go a little bit deeper in it. And your faith will be built up. And then you'll have the faith to believe the promises of God. So the Bible says when we're saved, the distance between us and God is covered by what Christ did. That song that we sing, the chasm was far too wide. How many you know what I'm talking about? But Christ steps in and he bridges the gap. So he brings us into union with God. I know you guys just love this, especially Fielder. We're not just brought into union with God. Something else happens. The second thing that happens is this. Our very nature is changed because how can we be brought into union with a holy God and the very core of our being stay the same? This is what I want to hone in on this morning. This is what changes. Our very nature changes. You are not who you used to be. When you struggled on this side before you were saved, you were trying to fight it in your own power. But now you have the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead living inside of you. You've got resurrection power. But how will you ever tap in to the grace, the unmerited, undeserved power of God if you never dwell on it? How will we have the faith to believe that I really can, I really can live out the perfect law of God? How will we have the faith to believe that I can overcome trials and tribulations if we're not dwelling on who we are in Christ? So your status with God, everybody knows I've been made cool with God. I got my get out of hell free card. And you did. As long as you're in Christ. 
but your nature changed. Who you are has changed. Sometimes we get this. I'm just being awkward. I know. That's because you ran your mouth at me first time. What time did you wake up this morning? Okay. All right. Sometimes we get this idea that God, and I hear it in our language. We talk about it a lot. We want to be open and honest and confess the stuff that we struggle with. We say the struggle is real, right? And sometimes it is, right? Some of y'all lying right now. The struggle is real, right? But so is the solution. And it's okay to not be okay. It's just not okay to stay that way. Not when scripture teaches us that our very nature has been changed. From the inside out, we had a heart of stone that was ripped out, that was stubborn. That was, we'll talk about that more in a minute. I'm getting ahead of myself. But we get this idea sometimes that God has brought us into union with him, but he didn't change us. He brought you into union with him and he changed you. You guys go sit down real fast because we're about to take off. Put your seatbelts on. What does the word of God tell us about our nature before we were saved and after we were saved? Part of justification, part of being set right with God is that our very nature changes. Now, we made you a promise that this was going to be about an everyday gospel. How do I make application? But the truth is this. You can't make application. You can't come up with practical things to walk out until you understand how to see this from a 20,000 foot worldview. So we're, we're going to get out of the practical and get up so that we can correctly look down at how we live this stuff out. Y'all with me? This is what scripture tells me about my nature before I was saved. It tells me this, that I was lawless. We were lawless. So when we look out in the world and we see lawlessness happening, I don't understand why we're surprised. Without Christ, we buck off anything and everything that is for our good. Not only were we lawless, but we were living in darkness. They got a slide of a bunch of this stuff. It's kind of depressing, but let's, let's get sad for just a minute because when we understand how bad the bad news is, we'll really appreciate the good news, right? Right? You don't, you don't, you don't appreciate a good meal until you, you've eaten camp food for an entire week. Can I get an amen? Right? All of a sudden, mama's cooking just got a little bit better. The Bible says that we were lawless, we were living in darkness, that we were without understanding. We had a hardened heart. We were blinded to the point that every single time we heard a message about the cross, we rolled our eyes and just said, that's just foolishness. You see, you got to stop here. If we understand that a lost and dying world is still in this state. We won't get so upset all the time when unsaved people act like unsaved people. When those that haven't been redeemed are living lawlessly, they're living in darkness, they're without understanding. We won't go in with our, our spiritual water hoses trying to put out the temporal fires of sin. In other words, we, we're going to talk to them about Jesus first. We were blinded to the point where the message of the cross, we were in the snare of the devil. We were prideful. Woo. 
foolish, stupid. We were dead in our sin, enslaved in our sin. This is one we don't hear a lot. You were an enemy of God. You weren't like cool with God. And then he was just like, hey, I want to make you take you from cool to cooler. The Bible says that you, were, you lived your life in complete opposition to God. You were an enemy of God. Hmm. You're an adulterous generation. Following the course of the world led by the prince of this earth, sons and daughters of disobedience and children of wrath. Well, looking a little bit bleak, isn't it? This morning, I want to propose to you that when you were saved, when you were justified, your legal status with God changed, but so did your nature. Why does that matter? How does it change my day-to-day life? Because there are moments when my kids are walking around my house and they're acting a fool, and I just have to remind them who they are. I can give them some rules. I can, I can try my best to bang it over their head and say, hey, we don't do this and we don't do that and we don't do this and we don't do that. But the rules have no power to change anybody. Sometimes I just have to remind them. Like they're, 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 My kids are, I think it's because I talk about it a lot and Caitlin talks about it a lot. My kids are, are money conscious. How many of you are trying to raise money conscious kids? And so we'll go out to eat and we're, we're sitting there at a menu and I have a couple of kids and this is what they'll do. They'll say, they'll look at the menu and they'll whisper, they'll, they'll punch me like, dad, this is going to end up costing us like 90 bucks to eat here. And I'm like, we got a lot of kids, bro. <laughs> it don't matter where we go. It's going to call anybody. Can I, can I, anybody know the struggle's real? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Just so you know, like if, if you want to take, you know, one of these big families out to eat, don't slip them a 20. You need to slip a hundred. Okay. If you really want to bless them. But sometimes my kids will look at me with this like, and I think it's because, well, not because, it's definitely because sometimes I'm a little over the top with it. I know none of you ever do that. But the kids, they'll be like, they'll look at me like, Dad, this is going to cost us like 90 bucks. And then they say, can we afford to eat here? And then I got one kid who's been blessed Never mind. I don't know if it's a blessing or not. But he, he thinks a lot like me. And this is what he's thinking. Dad, we could buy these steaks at Food Line, especially if you get them with the manager special. Hadn't we got them for $4.50 a pound before? We could make this meal for 20% of the price. Amen. And, and y'all are laughing because some of y'all do that. You do it. You're calculating. I could have made this meal 20 times at home, right? And they'll look at me, Dad, can we afford this? And then I just have to, and I don't, I don't even answer them. I don't say, yes, we can afford it. I say this, we're not poor. We're not filthy rich, but we're not poor. And I could answer every single one of his practical questions, but sometimes we need to be reminded about our change of nature. You're not poor in the spirit anymore. You used to be spiritually bankrupt, but your nature has been changed. And instead of trying to quit this and quit that and stop this and stop that, it's time some of us learn how to preach to ourselves and quit chasing 
the pants legs of every fiery preacher in the world and learn how to preach to our children, learn how to preach to our spouses, learn how to preach in the rear view mirror and look at yourself and remind yourself who I am in Christ Jesus. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And thank God it has nothing to do with what I do. It's actually a statement of who I am. And then when I understand who I am, when I think right, I've got the right kind of faith and then right living comes as a byproduct. So this is what he says. You know, it it would be amazing if God just erased all this stuff. It would be a miracle if if he just did away with all these bad things, but he doesn't just stop there. Because you once were lawless, but now he's turned you into a law abider. Wait, but he didn't stop there. I sound like a Wells Wayside Superstore commercial. Anybody remember those? Be watching Karate Kid and the guy would be midair and the commercial would just come on. Hey, this is Wells Wayside Superstore. We got a refrigerator for $9.99 and we'll throw in a microwave. But we don't stop there. He didn't just stop at turning you from one who was lawless to one who was a law abider. He enabled you. He gave you the power to abide in the vine. So now you don't just follow the rules. You actually have a desire and a delight. Have you ever wondered where that come from? I know grandmama told you that you were good. Oh, you a good little boy. That's a lie from the devil. Ain't none of you good. I tell, the thing is, is my kids have to hear all my sermons the week before in family devotions. So I'm preaching like this in the living room. So the next day I walk up to one of my sons, you're a good boy. Dad, that's not true. The Bible says we're not good. We're actually sinners. You could say you're pleased with me. (laughs) Shut up. You know what I mean. He did for me what I could not do for myself. Now I am living out of my relationship with him and no longer trying to earn his approval. Parents, listen, Daniel, listen, Daniel, listen, Daniel, listen. Your kids are not going to be changed by making them rule followers. If you keep pounding them with rules and laws, thinking that's going to change, you're just going to make them professional sinners. They're going to come up with better ways to get around the rules. What they need is a heart change. What they need is to be turned from a lawless being into someone who abides in the law, has a heart for the law, sees the wisdom in the law, has the ability to look five years ahead, knowing that this path is the path that leads to destruction. God didn't just take you from someone who was lawless and say, well, I just think I'll take that out of his life. He gave you a heart that now loves the law. Some of you are like, well, I ain't feeling that right now. Well, maybe it's because you don't have faith to believe it. You don't have faith to believe it because you didn't know that's what happened in you. This is the everyday gospel. This is what we need. These are the deep fountains that we need to drink from every single day. You see, he didn't just... He didn't just change your lawless nature. The Bible says that you were living in darkness, but he didn't just bring you out of the darkness into the light. He brought you into the marvelous light. 
so now everything that is wrong and dark in my life is illuminated because he's not just shining the light into my life. He has brought me into the light. And you know what one of the names of the Holy Spirit is? Light. The light. He's given that inside of you. So he didn't just bring you out of darkness and shine a flashlight. He brought you out of darkness and he brought you into the marvelous light. And then he put the marvelous light inside of you. So don't tell me the struggle is real. I want to hear some of us start talking about who I am is real. The solution is real. He didn't just cancel the darkness. He's brought me into the marvelous light. That's who you are in Christ Jesus. That's what it means to be the righteousness of God in Jesus. Your status with God wasn't just changed. The very core of who you are has changed. I had a hardened heart. Anybody else? All of you need to raise your hand. But now he didn't just soften it. He did a heart transplant. He pulled out this old heart of stone and has replaced it with a heart of flesh that he can mold and use. I was without understanding. But now, not only do I understand, get this, the spirit of revelation now actually lives inside of you. So much that where you used to hate reading God's word, You can love reading God's word. You can read one verse and the spirit of revelation will make the word of God come alive and sharper than a two-edged sword. And you can read one verse every single day for the next year and it'll be daily bread every single time you read it. Your very nature is changed. This is what it means to be saved. You weren't just put in right standing with God. You are a brand new Creature, you're a brand new creation. The old has passed away and the new has come. And this is what it's like to be new. You see, you used to be blind. Anybody remember that? Huh? Anybody remember being blind? Blinded to the point where the message of the cross was foolishness. But not only has he made me into one who understands but he's made me into one who now wants to pick up that cross, deny myself, and follow him. He didn't just come and do with all the mess the enemy had done. He does what God does best. And this is one of my favorite things about being saved is that he takes what the enemy meant for evil and then he ends up using it for good. It's almost like Every time something wrong happens in the life of the believer, we should start getting like this, just ready for God to take those chains and break them off of our life and then turn them into weapons that we start tearing down the prince of this earth's kingdom and we start advancing the kingdom of God. I dare some of you to just get a grasp and jump in the deep end. Take off your little Sunday school life vest and know what the word of God says about your nature. You have been changed. I was in the snare of the devil. I set a bunch of foot traps one time. I was going to catch some raccoons and all kinds of stuff. This is when some of you are laughing at me. Um, It was during the right season. I just want to say that. 
and I forgot about one of them. I had done a real good job of camouflaging. And so I was back in the woods and I was just doing all kinds of stuff. And guess what happened? I did not step in it. No, it would be a better story if I had. I actually saw it out of the corner of my eye. <laughs> and I put a stick and I touched that little trigger. <laughs> I'm so glad I didn't get caught in that thing. That would have been one of those moments where I, Caitlin would be like, just go to the emergency room. I'm not going to the emergency room on account of my stupidity. I'll just have to suck it up. I was one who was in the snare of the devil, but he didn't just set me right with him. He didn't just set me free from the trap. And this is what I was just saying, but I want some of you to get a picture of this. The very thing that the enemy has, was using to destroy your life, God is going to take it. He's going to take the trap and he's going to turn it into a weapon. You're a weapon now. Your whole life is a weapon. Your testimony is a weapon. And some of us are embarrassed by the weapons that, that God has taken from the enemy and he actually redeemed it for his purposes. See, the world says throw stuff away. God says, no, nah, that's salvageable. I can use it for my good. And I'm going to tell everybody here, Recovery Alive is coming. I know the cameramen hate when I do this. Recovery Alive is coming on September the 3rd to Bethel Church. And, and, and you're going you're gonna to have to get used to people who are messed up, jacked up, who have done all kinds of wrong stuff and God's going to set them free. And then this is what he's going, no, 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 listen, hold on. Y'all get too excited. <laughs> then this is what he's going to do. He's going to take the messed up part of their lives and he's going to use it to build his kingdom. And the self-righteousness in you is going to be squeezed out because you're going to see it and you're going to say to yourself, oh, they're bragging. They're bragging about how all the bad things. No, they're not. They've been changed. They've been changed. So God is going to take these weapons that the enemy meant for bad. The snares of the devil are about to be used against them. Can I, can I hear somebody just say amen real quick? I was prideful. I know none of y'all have y'all ever struggled with pride before you were saved. You couldn't tell me nothing. The rules couldn't help me. In fact, scripture says the rules would just bring out the sinner inside of me. But then the Holy Spirit opened my eyes to the prideful, arrogant, pompous punk I was. And he didn't just make me cool with him. He broke me. He took this prideful heart of ours and he broke it into pieces and then he refashioned it. He didn't just humble us. He made us agents of humility, and there is a difference. Your very nature has been changed. If you're struggling with relationships because you just can't seem to put other people before yourself, start preaching to yourself in the mirror. Quit calling yourself selfish. Quit calling yourself prideful. Start looking in the mirror and say, you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Don't you know who you are? This isn't, how, this isn't how we act. This isn't how we do. My very nature has been changed. I used to be dead in my sin. But Jesus took me in. And then a little light from heaven filled my soul. 
Oh, I'm telling y'all that y'all better start playing a little, have a little talk with Jesus right now. Because I, 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 I just feel like a little praise break coming on right now. I see somebody doing a little, little dance like this. I'm telling you, when you grab a hold of what God has done in your life, put away your rule book for just a minute, please. Those rules, they're God's perfect way. They're his perfect law. And the Bible says that we should delight in them, but they have absolutely no power to change you. Get it. Why is this an everyday gospel? Why do we call it an everyday gospel? Because when we get a hold of this, these, these truths, we can tap into the grace that God has given us, an uncommon grace, not just to forgive, but to overcome. It's not just for after we've messed things up. It's for before. Whew. We used to be enslaved in our sin. Sorry, if they don't behave behind me, we're going to take off. Stand up with me. You see, he didn't just free me from the things that have enslaved me. He's using them. I was an enemy of God, but now he calls me friend. But hold on, listen to me, listen to me real quick. I was in, in, get a hold of this biblical truth. This is who you are in Christ Jesus. This is what it means to be the righteousness of God. I once was an enemy of God, but now he calls me friend. But wait, it didn't stop there. He doesn't just call you friend. Now he says you are a child of God. What? Hold on. You mean literally that at 8.30 this morning, I was an enemy of God. And now at 10.25, when I confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and that God raised him from the dead, that he's the son of God, that I'm saved, that I immediately go from enemy to friend and from friend to child and then from child to co-heir. What? I went from being an enemy of God to now being able to, to get What Christ has. And not just that. It didn't stop there. You see, the the message of the gospel is not just the message about how God takes us from being these awful, vile, sinful creatures and then just changes us and brings us into union. The, The end of the gospel is when God glorifies our bodies. So not only... It it doesn't stop with friend. It doesn't stop with child. It doesn't stop with co-heir. But we will be co-rulers with Christ. What? This is who we are. This is your identity. This is what it means to be the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Almost done. I was part of an adulterous generation. Some people gave me a, lay, a more specific ladle. Some people said I was a hoe. Some people said I was a player. Some people said that I was gay, and they told me to accept that. 
but God changed your very nature. He changed the very being of who you are. When you're born into sin and you're shaping into iniquity, this is what it, you look like. But then when he came into your life, he didn't just change your status with him. He changed your very nature. So you are no longer an adulterous generation. He didn't just set your sexual orientation right but he showed you what true, real love looks like. And you move, this is who you are. You have moved beyond the confines and of passion and excitement and into deep abiding, unconditional love. That's what characterizes you now. A love, a real love that is patient, that is kind, Anybody know what I'm talking about right now? Doesn't get jealous. That does. This is the characteristic of the believer. Ooh. I was a child of wrath, but now I'm a child of love. The epitome of love wrapped up in one act of Jesus giving his life for me. And now you shine down. He shined down. He fills up. And he pours into us this love so that we can go and do to others what he has done for us. So I know you might be saying, well, man, you haven't given me one practical thing that I can do today. I'm not going to. Here's the practical thing I want you to do. I want you to ponder, to meditate, to abide in what Christ says you are now what God calls you, the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And when we have faith in biblical truths, y'all hearing what I'm saying? When you really know who you are in Jesus, all these things you're trying to attain, all these things you're trying to make happen, all these things you're working for, they're going to come as the natural byproduct of abiding in the vine. Nobody tells an apple tree to grow an apple. We just pick about 250 pounds of apples. And I don't have to go to any of my branches on my apple trees and flick them upside the head and say, grow an apple. The only thing they got to do is just stay attached. To the branch. They just stay attached. They just stay attached, right? Right? And what many of us are trying to do is this get this picture. We're taking apples and a nail gun, and we're looking at our lives and we're trying to nail apples to our trees. We're trying to look like an apple tree, talk like an apple tree, think like an apple tree, when if we just stay connected to who God says we are, the fruit comes as a byproduct. Now, I know some of you are concerned because you want me to talk about works, but I ain't talking about works this Sunday. We got four more messages in this. This morning, I just want you to feast on who God has called you to be. I want you to turn your eyes to the cross. I know that you've heard the gospel message, so I want to ask you right now, if you'd bow your head and close your eyes. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, the Spirit of God has been drawing you to be saved. Will you just slip up your hand and say, that's me. I need to be saved this morning. Come on, put your hand up real fast. I need to be saved. 
I see your hand. I see your hand. Praise God. Praise God. The Bible says this. It says this, that, that you believe in your heart and you confess it with your mouth that Jesus is the Son of God. You need to say this out loud with your mouth. Jesus is the Son of God, that God raised him from the dead. And the Bible says that you will be saved. Now get ready because you're not just in right status with God. Your nature is being changed. People around you are going to be looking at you funny because you're going to act different. You're going to talk different. You're going to think different. Can we praise God right now for a gentleman giving his life to the Lord right now? Can we thank God for salvation? If you raise your hand just then, I would love to talk with you. I'm going to hang out right here. But here's what I want some of you to do. I want, I, I just, we've got a, a few more minutes, a little bit more time. We got, actually, we got all the time we want. We got all the time we'll make. Amen. So what I'm going to ask you to do is this. I'm going to ask you to come down here to the altars. I want our worship team to just kick into it. And I want you to, I want you to meditate. I want you to ponder on who God says that you are. You hear me? I want you to ponder. Come on down right now. I, I, look, you might be struggling. You might be struggling with sin, with hurts, with hangups, with addictions. But I want you to feast on what, what God says you are in Christ Jesus for just a few minutes. Come on. We hope that you have been encouraged today. And if you're looking for more information about who we are as a church, you can visit us online at BethelChurch.info. Be sure to join us again next week as we continue to grow together in God's Word.